You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Amal, can you turn your microphone off? Sorry. Yeah, just keep uh, eating, Amal. Yeah, that's great. I'm starving. I'm starving. Well, just turn your You can eat, man. Just, just turn your microphone off. <laughs> As part of hockey days, okay. Have your that's laugh. the open. That's the open. <laughs> um, how many times has Elliot stopped to cough? <laughs> Thirty-two thoughts to podcast. Welcome to it. Presented as always by GMC and the new Sierra AT4X. Merrick Friedman Delich, welcome aboard once again. We have a lot to get to. Going to do an update on Patrick Kane. Uh, We're going to talk about Colorado, a little wrap on the Ryan McDonough interview that we did the other day. I want to talk a little bit about Joe Sackick and the Hockey Hall of Fame, but Elliot, and we should mention the All-Star Game next season as well. Let's begin by talking about Rick Tockett and the Vancouver Canucks. We discussed it on the radio show this afternoon. That would be Thursday. What is the latest, as I'm sure this is a, as we say in the industry, Elliot, evolving story? It is indeed, Jeff, a developing situation. Here, mm-hmm. you know, here's the the best information that that I can give you. I think earlier this season, when things showed a sign of really going off the rails in Vancouver, the Canucks started reaching out and saying, "If we do make a change, what roads can we go down?" And I think one of the people they reached out to was Talkit. It's hard for me to know because nobody will confirm this, but there were some level of deeper conversations. And I think they got to a point where the Canucks were interested, but it didn't close. And then things kind of went away a little bit. And you know how the Canucks season's gone. It's been like going a little streak, get to within striking distance, and then just belly flop, unfortunately. And at some point in time, I believe they went back to talk it. And I think the conversations got a little bit more intense. And I do believe that the Canucks are in a position where they know what they have to do if they want Rick Tockett as a coach. They know what he wants. They know what they want. They know what the philosophy is going to have to be. And I think, quite simply, it's Vancouver's decision. And I'm not expecting that we're going to have to do an emergency update pod on Friday. I don't think it's imminent. But I do think in a couple of weeks, the Canucks know if they want Tockett, what they're going to have to do to do it. And I think it's in their hands. And it's their decision. You know, when it comes to Rick Tockett, Elliot, I think it was only a matter of time. And not to say that this is going to happen. I'm trying to 
get ahead of myself here, but I think we knew there was only a matter of time before Tockett was reintroduced into the NHL coaching ranks. There were discussions with him in Winnipeg. There were discussions with him in Seattle. Uh, there's always been interest around the league for Rick Tockett, and yep. particularly salient for Vancouver is the fact that you know it's pretty easy to draw a line between Alvin, Rutherford, and Tockett. Just look to Pennsylvania with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's the obvious statement of the podcast. Yes, and the other thing, too, is this is a huge hire for Vancouver. Now, I think they had knowledge, uh, Jim Rutherford did when he was coming in, that they were far down the road with Boudreaux and he was going to be the guy. And obviously, he didn't stand in the way of that and wasn't going to stand in the way of that. But this is really his first hire after having time in the organization to really see what he had. And that makes it a huge hire, Jeff. And, you know, you said it on your show today. People talk about hockey being a cronyism business. I think every place is like yes. that. I, I really yes. agree with what you said. You know, I've worked in the media business. I've seen other businesses. A lot of people in life are simply comfortable hiring who they know when their jobs are on the line. If my own legacy or my own performance is going to be determined by this hire, I think there's a lot of people who even less like the idea mm -hmm. of putting their neck on the line. But the thing I've thought about a lot is, not only do they know him, but one of the storylines of this season has been Miller. You know, some of the highlights of him not going full out to back check, the situation with Colin Delia. I have to say, like I've told you this many times, I don't think you can have a team of all nice guys. You need people on your team who can be pricks, but you also need to have people in your organization who are going to say enough is enough and we have to dial it back. And I think that's one of the reasons that Rutherford and Alvin are looking at Rick Tockett because I think they know that he's not going to be afraid to handle personalities. And it's not always I'll fight you in the corner to get you to bend to what we need you to do. You know, he also used the velvet glove with a guy like Phil Kessel. He was the Kessel whisperer. So I think Tockett has a lot of those skills to understand how to motivate people. I think there is a line, but I think you're right. Like you don't need a room full of guys that all like each other and get along and joke around and hang out. The one thing that I always come back to is something that someone told me right when I was breaking into the industry back in the in the mid 90s, Elliot, and we were having a conversation about people in like dressing rooms or in different sports or, you know, in uh, in radio at that point when I was breaking in the same time that you were. And this person stopped me and said, hold on a second. If you think you can only do business with people you like, you're not going to last very long in this industry. And one of the things that I think people that are successful have learned is you're not always going to get a room full of people where everybody gets along. We have to That's figure right. out a way to work with everybody, even if you don't like them. And again, you don't have to like someone to do business with them. And I think the mm -hmm. most successful people understand that lesson to the point about, you know, does JT Miller get along with everybody? It's okay if not everybody is on the same page with each other in a, what they used to say about Scotty Bowman, for example, 364 days of the year, the Montreal Canadiens players hated Scotty Bowman. Mm -hmm. And on day number 365, they got the rings. 
there's a lesson in there for everybody. I also have another antiquated reference for you. One of my favorite lines <laughs> okay. was Jim Palmer, the Hall of Fame baseball pitcher. Oh, Baltimore Orioles, love them. So he won two World Series and I think went to four of them being managed by Earl Weaver, who was as crusty as they get. Loved them too. Yes, and uh, when they fired Earl Weaver, they had another manager uh, named Joe Altobelli, and Palmer's famous line about Altobelli was, he said hi to three people on the first day and broke Earl's record. But they all respected <laughs> that he that Weaver was a brilliant student of the game and was a great manager. Now, I think if you're going to bring in talk, I think you have to take chances on maybe some people around him you don't know as much. Like, I do think you need to bring in people that you don't know and people who are like, a little bit different from you, mm-hmm. but it goes to what you're saying, Jeff. You know, like you and I, we can barely stand Amal, but we put up with him because he's a great producer of this podcast. That's why we don't do the show together anymore. That's why we're all doing this remotely. Sorry to <laughs> find right. you. So, sorry you had to find out this way, Amal. Sorry about it. So we don't even sorry. have to look at him. But the yeah. other thing too is, Jeff, I mean, how many people like did you work with over the years in the business where you're like, <laughs> I can't stand this person, but I got to put on the fake smile while we're on the uh, air? Uh, how long do you have, Elliot? <laughs> I, think I think we've all got stories like that. Of course. Elliot, meanwhile, on the ice for the Vancouver Canucks on Thursday, uh, a game that Vancouver almost tied in the dying seconds. A great save by Andre Vasilevsky on Curtis Hughes. Lazar. Hughes feeds it across oh, the blue oh, line. Here's Horvath, right circle, put it in front. Besser, a pass. What a save! On the horn! What? That would have counted! What a stinking save that that was the one of the greatest saves I've ever seen. But it was comments made by Quinn Hughes afterwards that once again has the Vancouver Canucks as the number one headline around the NHL. Commenting about the Tanner Pearson injury. Now, Tanner Pearson broke his hand uh, a couple of months ago. He's had a number of procedures, and he's been shut down now for the entire season. Yeah, I feel bad for him. I mean, it wasn't handled properly, and... Um... You know, it's not a, not a really a good situation he's got there, and hopefully he's going to be all right. Quinn Hughes with the comments afterwards, you know, the key couple of words there, it wasn't handled properly. Roll the grenade into the room, Elliot. I think the other thing too, Jeff, is that it's Hughes. Hughes is not a guy prone to making controversial statements. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I've talked to Quinn Hughes over the years, it's very obvious he has a really keen insight and an ability to break down the game. He's pretty thoughtful about that kind of thing. But I think that was the reason that people were so caught by surprise about it was because he's not prone to making these kinds of headline-inducing statements. And the other thing you have to look at is when the Canucks made the announcement, it was around 9 a.m. yesterday morning, Thursday morning, You read the tweet and it says general manager Patrick Alvin announced today that Tanner Pearson underwent a second hand surgery yesterday after a setback in his recovery and he will miss the remainder of the season. And then three hours after dropping that tweet, they put an addendum onto it saying additional information. Pearson's surgery yesterday was his second procedure since the original surgery in November. So you're looking at that and you're saying, that's odd. And then you realize he's already had three surgeries. Mm -hmm. By the way, Jeff, it's possible he may have to have more. That's one of the things that's kind of coming out of this. 
So what this says to me with Hugh's comment, and I don't know all the facts and I don't like to guess, but there's obviously an issue here over the treatment. And I don't know who's right and I don't know who's wrong and I'm not going to make any judgments based on what we know so far, but it's clear there's a problem between player and team on this particular one and we'll see where it goes. But the larger picture of what I'm looking at here, Jeff, is there's sometimes in our lives where so many things are happening at once that you have no choice but to take a deep breath and call a timeout. And you just say, I'm shutting everything down for a day, or I'm shutting everything down for half a day. And the world can go crazy out there, but we're doing a stop and a reset in here. And that's kind of what we're getting to with the Canucks. Just there's so many things flying around the news cycle that you almost have to say, all right, we're going to take a look at all of these problems and we're going to pick one right now, just one, and we're going to fix it. And then we're going to get to the next one. But you, it's almost like somebody who's kind of like spiraling out of control in their life where you have to slam on the brakes and say, I'm taking control of this and it's going to be slow and it's going to be sure, but I'm going to fix the problems. And it just seems right now with Vancouver, it's just constant, constant wild stuff happening. And you just have to say, all right, we're putting an end to this and we're fixing this. And the Canucks are kind of in that spot right now. Now, their road trip has two more games, Saturday against the Florida Panthers and then Sunday against the Carolina Hurricanes, two days off, and then they resume at home with four straight Tampa, Colorado, Edmonton, Chicago. I look at those two days. Are those the perhaps decision days for the Vancouver Canucks should they choose to go that route? Well, if you're talking about the coach, I, I don't think it's going to be that quickly. I mean, they put up a, a fight last night. They had every reason to... They did. Vasilevsky, man. Just completely walk away down 5-2, to two, and they got within one. As you said, they made the save. But just imagine everybody listening to this podcast. When you have your maybe issues at work piling up, your private life isn't going so well. That's what this reminds me of. We all have these weeks or, where everything seems to go wrong for us. And finally, you just say... Okay, I have to come up with a plan to get myself back on track. And I'm going to follow this plan religiously. I mean, that's what you got to do. You've almost got to stop the news cycle. And I know some of it is because every little thing in Vancouver, because of how rabid they are on social media, becomes a big thing. So you've got to make sure that you're not, you know, kind of pouring gasoline on the fire. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing here it's just like almost every day there seems like there's another thing that blows into a big thing you just gotta grab hold of it and take control of it okay so that story continues want to get your thoughts on a couple of other games that we saw on thursday quickly the seattle kraken how about that we looked at the beginning of the week and said this could be the showdown of the week seattle on thursday uh, taking on the boston bruins the bruins at home where they do not lose in regulation until Thursday night. This is sent down the ice. Jaden Schwartz shot scores! Jaden Schwartz from the near half wall of the Kraken zone all the way down the ice into the empty net. 3-0 Seattle. 150 to go here in this one. Schwartz with the luck on his stick to bounce that down 150 feet into the empty net. And the Kraken, the band of brothers, come together 
and seemingly pushed Boston aside. Three nothing Kraken. Big stops by Martin Jones. Not only do they lose in regulation, they get shut out by the Seattle Kraken. Three nothing Tanev, Tolvanen, and Schwartz are your goal scorers. Martin Jones with the win for the Kraken. Your thoughts on this one? Well, it's it's a huge victory for them. Last week, I had people saying to me, do you think the Kraken are for real? Do you think anybody is saying that anymore? That was the statement game. And here's the other thing. That's seven games in a row now for the Seattle Kraken. All those seven wins on the road. This is a brutal schedule for them. Three weeks in a row, the Seattle Kraken have the dreaded four-game week. This is anything but easy what they're doing here. The other thing too here, Jeff, is if you take a look at the Kraken, look at the statistics. Where do you think they rank in goaltending in the league? Oh, they're not in the upper echelon at all. Goals against per game, Kraken, they're right on the middle, 3.02 a game. They're 16th, okay? Goals for per game, 3.66. They're third in the league. Really impressive. And one of them is is because of your man crush, Daniel Sprong, who's given them really good minutes. 13 goals, 13 assists, 26 points, fourth line, just getting 11 minutes of ice time. But we move along, we move along. We move along, (laughs) yes. You try to get 1% of his next contract. You know, Tolvanen now has taken a hot streak since going there. 22 teams passed on him on waivers. So I think one of the things you wonder about is the goaltending, is that going to hold? And we've been talking about, are they going to go out and get another center? I know that one of the things some teams are wondering are, or suspect is they will go and try to find another defenseman. So one of the major differences I think that's really changed Seattle as a team is one of their broadcasters, Ed Olchick, is a big horse racing guy. So I'm going to do this in horse racing terms. Last year, they were a plotter. They were a mutter. They were not a fast team. This year, they've added scoring. But not only that, they've added speed. They're closer to a thoroughbred. You've got to be fast or have the ability to be fast this year in the NHL. And the Kraken are much quicker. If you make mistakes on them, they can run it right down your neck. And you have to be able to do that in this league. And they have cap space come deadline, LA. They they sure do. And second round picks this year, high second round picks, might be worth more than first rounders next year. Because it's a better draft. Mm-hmm. They have three. And they have three of them. Elliot, one final thing on Seattle. Uh, Shane Wright made his debut for the Windsor Spitfires on Thursday. They're facing off against Saginaw. And this was kind of historic. This was two players that have both been granted exceptional status going head-to-head. Shane Wright of the Windsor Spitfires, Michael Misa of Saginaw. Uh, the Windsor Spitfires won this game by a final score of 7-4. to four. Shane Wright with one goal and empty netter. One goal and one assist, Michael Misa with two assists. So things going well for Mark Savard, the head coach of the Windsor Spitfires, and Shane Wright, their new star center so far. So, yes, very good to be the Seattle Kraken right now and really good to be Keandre Miller and really good to be Keandre Miller's agent and accountant. Under a second remaining... Keandre Miller ties it up, his fifth goal of the season. Adam Fox wins it in overtime. The Rangers beat the Stars by a final score of 2-1 in OT. 
Round Hayes get in, moves to the net. Panarin shoots, saved by Ottinger. Puck now played by Zibanejad. Walks in front, tripped up. Puck is loose. Panarin with it, feeds Fox. Backhand shot. He scores! He scores! Rangers win! Adam Fox in overtime. The Rangers defeat the Stars. An incredible, unbelievable highlight film fashion. And front and center once again with the heroics, Ke'Andre Miller. He is looking at a large contract in the offseason, no? I'm going to uh, say that he's soon going to be able to afford prime Manhattan real estate. Oof. Like sometimes when you're on an ELC or an early contract, yeah. yeah, you know, you're doing well by most of our standards, but you can't necessarily afford prime Manhattan or Vancouver real estate. Uh, you're, he's going to be able to do it. One of the things about Keandre Miller, Jeff, is that, you know, prior to this year, he never had enormous counting stats. His first season, he had 12 points. His second season, he had 27 goals, which is really good, but it's not the kind of thing that you're going to look at and say, that's enormous. Now, this season, he has 23 points in 43 games, so he's on pace for 40, which is going to be very good for him. But I think he was going to be the kind of case where even if he didn't get to the 40-point mark, you were going to look at him and you were going to argue that you better pay this guy like he's a top-pair defenseman. Last night, obviously, they have him on the ice at the end of the game, so they see the offensive talent. But he's playing with Truba, and I think he's a really elite defender. And he reminds me a lot of what people say about Jonas Brodeen, is that he may never do things that wow you, but he's going to play in the NHL at a very high level for 15 to 20 years. Mm -hmm. And... I can't remember where I saw it, but someone sent it to me. There was a fan that put together on Twitter just a bunch of Keandre Miller stick plays. It's really brilliant, brilliant stuff. I have no doubt the Rangers are going to take care of him because they know how valuable he is. But I think he's one of those players in the league right now where even though he plays in the NHL's biggest market, I don't think enough people really recognize how good he is. Listen to 32 Thoughts, the podcast, ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Now, 
Now, as we record this podcast very early Thursday evening, the Chicago Blackhawks are poised to face off against the Colorado Avalanche. Patrick Kane will not be in the lineup for Chicago. We've talked plenty about Patrick Kane going back to the last podcast. He has been placed on retroactive IR. What's the latest as far as you can glean with Pat Kane? Well, we should mention that he did an interview uh, with uh, Pat Boyle of yep. uh, NBC Sports Affiliate. And he was asked specifically about, is he thinking at all that he could have to be shut down? And he basically said, we're not at that point yet. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. it's it's, that, it's it's at that effect right now. I mean, I guess you never know what could happen, but um, that's definitely not where we're at right now. It's pretty obvious he's hoping that we don't even get to that point. Yep. You know, I just want to clarify, you know, what I'd said. I made it very clear. I, uh, I was talking in sort of like, theoreticals i don't know at this point in time that he's going to need to be shut down but what i do think is that uh, there's definitely something lingering i believe it's his hip and i think just the fact that it hasn't gotten better has gotten people a little bit concerned like it makes a trade more complicated and you know, if you listen to that whole interview, and I would advise you to, because it's straight from Kane's uh, mouth, and it's always best to go for the source. My default is that Kane and Taves thought they were going to be Blackhawks forever. And I think they're still coming to grips with the idea that that is probably not going to happen. And I think what the injury has done is just add another layer of uncertainty to this. And I think that's what everybody's got to be sitting here and wondering Hopefully this gets better because the best thing for Kane and the Blackhawks is it gets better. But I just think there's a level of uncertainty now that we didn't have uh, before. And, you know, Jeff, I've probably caused enough problems this week and I probably don't want to cause any more. <laughs> no, light some more fires. Here's some matches, Elliot. Here's some, here's some gasoline. Go for it. You got a flint lighter there too? The one thing that I do wonder about is uh, what does this do to the trade market and specifically teams that we've always considered as potential landing spots, whether it's the New York Rangers, which might just be the one that's all too obvious, but you know, sometimes it's the obvious one that ends up being the right one. Um, the Colorado Avalanche, for example. Like we, We've wondered about a lot of teams here with Patrick Kane. If he is, well, first of all, he's not himself. That is, as to your point, he is clearly not himself. Mm-hmm. You know, all you need to do is look at his numbers. Those are not Pat Kane numbers. Something is off there. And also, Jeff, he was like a point-of-game guy the last three years. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, he's been fantastic. Like, there's been no slowing down. You don't just down. fall off a cliff like that. No, unless there's something wrong. So I, I do wonder whether he gets... Again, this would be getting ahead of ourselves. But again, if he does get shut down or at least he's still at this pace, what does this do to the trade market now? What does this do with those teams? And what does this do with other teams that are holding, you know, high end forwards that they're looking to move? You know, what someone in the league said to me, it's not what like what you said is something that nobody has been thinking. He said that, you know, if you have eyes in your head at all like if you actually have eyes is what he said to me (laughs) you know you can see that he doesn't look right i think that people have been kind of expecting this and grappling with this the difference is now it's all out there he's missed games and it's getting closer to the deadline so it's on everybody's front burner and as he said there's still time to figure it out it's not like no one's been thinking about this. 
It's just it hasn't needed to be a front burner issue. Okay, so we'll see where this one evolves to. Uh, another name that's out there very much, and I'm almost embarrassed to say the name because for how many years have I said the name Matt Dumba around oh, this yeah. time of year? Like, honestly, Elliot, I'm embarrassed to even bring it up again because I brought it up. I think we all have so many different times around this time of the year. But here I go again, Frege. I was thinking the same thing, actually. Remember that for the longest time he was going to Edmonton for Ryan Nugent Hopkins? Oh, yeah, stick it in the bank, long-term deposit, all of that. Matt Dumba's still with the Minnesota Wild, Elliot, but for how long? So there's been a lot of talk about him this week, and I think it's all pretty accurate. I think a whole bunch of teams have called at various times this year about Dumba. And what I have heard that Bill Guerin has told people is, if you want to talk to me about Matt Dumba, make me an offer that makes me think. Because Bill Guerin and the Minnesota Wild, they are trying to win the Stanley Cup. And they are not going to make a deal that is going to make them worse or Mm -hmm. doesn't give them an opportunity to make themselves better. Like maybe they make one deal to do that and that allows them the freedom to do another deal to do something else. But the number one thing is that they cannot derail themselves from trying to win the Stanley Cup. And I think that's what Garen's told everybody. And I think he's made it clear. Basically, don't talk to me unless you're serious with something. So I do think people have called. I, I think it's totally right that Ottawa's called. I think it's totally right that Vancouver's called. I'm sure other teams have called too, but I don't get the sense it's ever been anywhere close. Mm-hmm. And even though he's a UFA and it's going to be very hard for them to keep him, he's not going to make it easy on people. He's got a plan. He thinks they're good enough to win. And the worst thing a general manager can do is take a team that thinks it's good enough to win and trade them out of that chance. Bill Guerin was a player. He played a long time. He knows how that would go over in his room, and he's thinking about it. I really like Minnesota for a couple of reasons. One, I like a lot of the players on the team. Who doesn't love Kaprizov? I really love Joel Eriksson-Eck, and I really like Jonas Brodin. We've talked about this. Matt Zuccarello. There's a lot of reasons to love a lot of players on this team. I love that the general manager is aggressive, and I love hearing that this team who's supposed to be in salary cap hell right now is going for it to win the Stanley cup. Like to me, that's instant. I'm in your corner. Like we're not moving Dumba unless it makes us better because we want to win the Stanley cup. Despite the fact that we have this giant $12 million black hole in the middle of our salary cap Frege, I just love stuff like this. I just love it. (laughs) I do. I love it. How many other teams would execute buyouts like that, know full well they're living in salary cap hell and still try to win the Stanley Cup. You know, but the thing is, I think that's Garen. That's what I'm saying. That's why there's another one of the reasons why I absolutely love this. How many other teams that just say, you know what? We're going to be better when we settle our salary cap. Then we're going to be better. You know, we're going to take a little bit of a pause here. Going to be a lot of kids we break in. No. Not Minnesota. We're still going for it. Like Freed, I just love it. I just love it. Bill Guerin didn't take too many steps backward when he played. No. <laughs> no. No. I absolutely love it. Oh, one real I mentioned, you know, of course, Pat Kane not playing on Thursday evening. Ditto for Austin Matthews. Yeah. Uh, I'm told it's nothing to be overly concerned about. It's a combination of a, a, a cleanup and a you know minor, you know, flu-like illness or something like that, and could be in there Saturday. Have you heard anything otherwise? Apparently someone, one of my buddies sent me a link. I guess there was this debate on Twitter about whether or not he's, 
uh, still injured from the Jamie Ben cross check. And I heard that it has nothing to do with it. I think he's been bothered by some things that have been affecting his shot. Look, he's had a weird year of fumbling pucks and missing chances he normally buries, particularly early in the season. So I think they're all connected. Like my, my assumptions, I don't know. I'm guessing it's like hand, finger, something around there. But I don't believe it's related to the cross check. And I also don't believe it's anything serious. What I'm curious about though, Jeff, is does it jeopardize his all-star game participation? You know, he's going to miss two games. And I know he wasn't the Leaf selected. It's got to be voted in. Forgive me for even suggesting this, but we could have the invisible hand tweaking with the the voting machine to make sure that Matthews is there. I'm, I'm pretty convinced <laughs> the league is going to want Matthews there. Yeah. But I, I wonder if this throws any of that into question because he will have missed uh, time recently. We'll, we'll see where, where it all goes. Here's why I don't think so. You know, we talked about the nature of... Once upon a time, the All-Star game was to reward performance during the season, but now it's just send us the stars. I wonder about the timing of this little pause for Austin Matthews. Mm-hmm. Like This is a team that's that's going pretty well right now and has been for a little while. I wonder if the Maple Leafs didn't stumble out of the gate to start the season, if they wouldn't have done the pause earlier. Yeah, it's possible. For Matthews. That's the only thing that I wonder about because they're going so good right now. It's like the timing seems to be right for it. That's the only thing that I wonder about here. And you know he'll want to play Saturday in Boston. Absolutely. Like he'll sacrifice the Wednesday game against Nashville. He'll sacrifice the Thursday game against Detroit. Yeah. But you know he's going to want to play in Boston on Saturday. Like if if there's a game he wants to play, that's the one. Now, while we were doing this pod... For about five minutes, Bobby McMahon scored his first NHL goal. There's a shot right on in the centering pass. They score! David or McMahon, his first goal in the National Hockey League. It came right off the faceoff, and Bobby McMahon kept going to the net. And finally, when the rebound came, he was able to tap it home. And how about a big moment there for the young man from Alberta? Then it was waved off under review. And we're going to get the call right about now, just 56 seconds into the game. After video review, the puck was kicked with a distinct kicking motion, does not hit a stick, therefore we have no goal. Wow. All right, so it was... Now, I understand by letter of the law, this is no goal. But I don't like this one because he's trying to make a skill play, kicking the puck from his skate to his stick around the net, a play that... Everybody does in the NHL. And after he kicks it, it hits Olimata and goes in. And yes, if you kick it and it goes in another player, it's no goal. But I don't know. First of all, it's Bobby (laughs) McMahon. He's 26 years old. I know Christmas is over, but put the Grinches away back in the closet for another year. I know, I know, I know by black letter of the law, that's no goal. But he wasn't even trying to kick it into the net. He was trying to kick it to his stick. Colin Campbell was right about this one. The law of unintended consequences. Hold on a second here. I'm going to use your own words against you. Oh, no. I hate when that happens. Okay. If that was a Stanley Cup winner, what would you think? That is a goal. If that was a Stanley Cup winning goal, are you cool with it? Yes. Jeff, he's not trying to kick it in. He's trying to kick it to his stick. He's not trying to score on the kick play. 
You know, the defenseman wasn't trying to shoot the puck over the glass. He was just trying to bounce it out of the zone off the glass. No, that is, that is ridiculous. <laughs> but you're still shooting it in the direction of the glass. I hate when you make dumb false equivalencies. I love the fact that he's up. I love the fact that he made his debut the same day as Vincent DeHarnay. And uh, I'm such a geek, so I think about Bruce Ramsey, who is one of the good guys of the game that everybody seems to love. Uh, head coach of the ECHL's Wichita Thunder. I just love that little story the other night in the NHL. That was that was a good one that you that you put out. That you know, and I, I want to mention too, just quickly. I thought Gene Principe had a great broadcast. Yes, on uh, totally on Wednesday night. And I have to say, I don't say that too often. Most of Gino's broadcasts are like the fugitive train crash. But I really thought he had a great uh, broadcast with. Uh, Darnay's family and Costin and it's been such a tough time for the Oilers to see two guys who are making the most of their opportunities one a first rounder and the other a total long shot you know he interviewed the Darnay family member too his brother I guess Principe hit it out of the park that night it was uh it was a great job by the way who had Clem Costin as the go-to interview of the year on their bingo card at the beginning of the season he's pretty funny eh Oh, this is, it was insane. I was like, oh, like, Devo was like, just go like around everyone and looking like to pass it to me. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> just, just let me go in front of that and screen the goal. <laughs> like, no, don't give me a fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it was lucky bond, so. <laughs> that the crowd gave when you did come on for the power play? Yeah, like my hands started shaking right after. I was like, guys, calm down. <laughs> I'm not 97, I'm 21. <laughs> Every time he's in front of a microphone, the guy's fantastic for each. Yeah. You know, reporters, I mean, I was guilty of this as well when, when I did that role too. There were just some guys that you always want to go back to because they always deliver and you're comfortable working with them and Listen, how many times did we see uh, Dan Murphy with Kevin Bieksa? And for a reason, right? Because he was... And Oki. Fantastic. Same thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it just seems like Clem Costin is very much emerging as that guy with the Oilers. That guy is money every time he's interviewed. All right, get it before it's gone. Visit the Sportsnet shop to get your 32 Thoughts merchandise. That's hoodies. That's teas, crewnecks, even a coffee mug that changes color when you fill it up with your go-to warm beverage. Visit www.shopsportsnet.store to get your 32 gear today. www.shopsportsnet.store All right, a smoky break for our Thoughtline partner, Montana's Barbecue and Bar. With meats prepared and smoked in-house, it's no wonder why they're Canada's home for barbecue. Check them out, and as Elliot always says... Try the ribs. Yes, their ribs are smoked in-house every day until they fall off the bone. And don't forget, Montana's has all-you-can-eat ribs Every Wednesday. Head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar and take the all-you-can-eat rib challenge every Wednesday. Smoking good barbecue only at Montana's. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. 
I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. PK Subban! The celebration for PK Subban before the Montreal Canadiens and the Nashville Predators game, we knew it would be something. We didn't think it was going to reach Maurice Rocket Richard level <laughs> ovation and adoration. That's reserved for one specific player in Montreal, Elliot. Uh, but what did you make of the uh, the reception, uh, the thank you, the like all of it for PK Subban? Obviously, I think the the replay that will be played forever was Carey Price coming out for the triple low five at the end of it. That is the defining moment that everybody's going to remember for this. The, the move mm-hmm. that was banned when they played together in Montreal. I love PK's coat. I know it's a ridiculous <laughs> thing for me to even suggest, uh, but I love PK's coat. Yeah. And I thought. Hal Gill had an unbelievable line about taking a picture when PK grabbed the microphone and said, puck drop in 45 minutes. I thought his comedic timing there was <laughs> was really funny. You know, the number one thing I think is that um, I believe there were a lot of fans who felt that whether it was his trade from Montreal to Nashville or his retirement for the NHL, Jeff, mm-hmm. that they never got a chance to say a proper goodbye to P.K. Subban. Yeah, true. We all knew, or we all believed, that Zdeno Chara was going to say goodbye, and we all believed that Keith Yandel the, was going to say goodbye, but I don't think anybody knew for sure one way or the other if P.K. Subban was going to say goodbye. So that day before the season, uh, when all three of them announced their retirements, I think that for a lot of fans, it was like, I get that one, I get that one, Oh boy, I don't like that one. I never got a chance to say goodbye to him. And I know he's still going to be honored in Nashville, but I think this is going to be an unofficial goodbye uh, for a lot of people, a goodbye that they felt that they never really got fairly. You know, Shea Weber, I think it's a real credit to how well he did and how well he played in Montreal that eventually people understood that trade. When it first happened, Jeff, I'm not convinced we thought that Montreal was ever going to understand that trade. No matter what the Canadians' motivations were, I bet you there were people who said, I will never accept this. And I think the way Weber played, they eventually accepted it. Now, I talked to one Canadians fan, a friend of mine is a, is a big Canadians fan. He said, I wish they could have found a way to play them together. I mean, I don't even think that's possible, mm-hmm. but he loved Subban and he grew to love Weber. And he understood you couldn't make the trade without both. And uh, so I thought it was closure for a lot of people. And I thought the the final touch was uh, was fantastic. 
I always thought, much like Dennis Potvin in the 87-88 season, he was going to do the season-long farewell tour like Potvin did. And, you know, the gifts from all the teams, like all of it. I know that's not hockey. Like, not a lot of players do that. It's still a very button-down, you know, very conservative, you know, don't jump in the middle of the spotlight. But that's what P.K. Subban always did. I always thought if there was one player that was going to do the farewell tour, much like Potvin did in 87, 88, it was going to be Subban. And we never got it. I should also mention that the young fan he brought out to center ice with him, he shared the spotlight for that ovation. I'm not surprised at all that he did that. I mean, it was a tremendous touch, a really beautiful touch. I want to introduce you guys to one of my close friends, Mila here. Mila is one of my friends from the hospital. I'd like to... I'd like to get a Mila chant going. Mila, Mila, Mila. Mila, 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 Mila. Oh, thank you. You know, he had some comments with Michael Trakos of the National Post about he didn't like kind of what was out there offer-wise. And as I said to you on your show, and I, I want to repeat it here, I had a conversation with a GM who I think was interested, and he said he never made an offer to Zuban because he didn't want to insult him. And he felt that on his team, especially with the cap not moving, Subban was not going to be a top four guy, and he didn't have a ton of money for him. And he kind of felt like he would be insulting Subban if he told him that was going to be the role and this was going to be our offer. And reading the comments that he made to Michael Trakos, Mm -hmm. I think that GM was right for thinking that way. And I respect Subban for that. I remember Mike Schmidt, one of my favorite baseball players, Jeff, the moment he thought he was below Mike Schmidt's standards, he quit a month into a season. He said, I am not playing below the standard of what I believe myself to be. And some people think that's selfish. Fine. I think that's what makes people great, is that you would demand a standard of yourself and what you believe you're worth. And if you don't get that, you go look for something else. And I think we've always known about Subban that he had his eye towards other things and he's going to have no problem stepping into that world. All right. Uh, a few more things here. Colorado Avalanche. Concern from Elliot Friedman? Yes or no? No, I, I think they're going to figure it out. I, I just refuse to bet against a team with all those guys. I know guys are hurt. I know they've been really banged up. I know that Makar is playing 53 minutes a game. I just refuse to believe that that team's not going to figure it out. Maybe I'm wrong, Jeff, but mm-hmm. I, I'm calm. My Friedman panicometer is like at minus 10. <laughs> I think they're going to figure it out. You know, we're all searching for answers here. And not that I'm just trying to big up one of maybe, if not my favorite player in the NHL and Gabriel Landeskog, but I can't help looking at the avalanche and say so much of this is because they don't have Gabriel Landeskog. Like, I've always maintained that when that super line is together with Ranton and, and McKinnon, it's Gabriel Landeskog's work that allows McKinnon to be the rhinoceros on skates, mm-hmm. that allows Mikko Rantanen to dance. Mm-hmm. It's because they have Landeskog there. I, I can't help but, but making that connection, that if there's a healthy Landeskog in this Colorado lineup, things are probably different, and dopes like me are, aren't on podcasts saying, hey, Freed, are you concerned about Colorado? 
I think you're right. I know your love for Landeskog. I mean, so good. Uh, so I good. know. I know. I, mean, I don't even call it love for Landeskog. It's lust for Landeskog. Let's get you a T-shirt <laughs> with that on it. But you're not wrong. I just think they're going to be fine. I refuse yeah. to believe they're in serious, significant trouble. Speaking of Colorado, Joe Sackett, yeah. now a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame Selection Committee, Bobby Clark has decided to retire, to which someone tweeted at me right away, uh, Jeff, does this mean that you finally get Adam Foote in the Hockey Hall of Fame? <laughs> which I thought was very cute. I think Sackick is a great person to put on it. You know, there's been a few times now over the years since he's become a manager, I've had a bit more time to speak to him. And this shouldn't surprise anybody because of the player that he was, but he is really smart. And the (laughs) way he's, no, but like just the way he talks about the game, right? And the the way, like, because when he was a player, what was his nickname? Quoteless Joe. Yeah. He never said anything. And now that he was an executive, he didn't talk a lot, but whenever I did talk to him, I always found that he had a way, like we've talked about people that we speak to in the game that have an ability to to fill you in on things and teach you things and give you insight in a way that peons like myself understand it. And I think he's one of those people. If I've ever asked him about a philosophy of something or or why he does things, he always explains it to me in a way that I really get it. And plus, the other thing too I like about Sakic is is he has the courage of his convictions. You know, he could have fired Jared Bednar. He didn't. He could have traded Matt Duchesne before he did, but he didn't. He held out until he got the right trade. And I just have to say that I think if you're debating things like Hall of Famers, you need that. And I think he'll be a a perfect, perfect person for it. If I could say one thing about Bob Clark is that um, I would love to have seen him in some of those conversations because Clark is another guy, like everybody has this impression of him. And I do too about, you know, blunt, honest, not a guy whose other side that you wanted to be on. But when, you know, he dropped that and just talked to you about the game, he also had genius level intellect into it. And the one thing I really know is, Guy Carboneau got in for years, Clark, would always say that Guy Carboneau should be in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people mock that. I don't. I think Carboneau was a great player. And uh, I think you should know that if you're elite level at something, you have a chance to get in. Every time I see him in the Hall of Fame, I think think about Clark. I just, when I think of Guy Carboneau, I think of... 1993 and apologies to Kelly Rudy if you're listening right now just like yeah they didn't like each other well how much havoc he caused in front of Kelly Carbo was relentless like that's the thing about I, I I'm with you I, I loved watching Carbono uh and he was fearless and relentless and drove goaltenders nuts after game one of that series he went to uh the coach Jacques Demers and said give me Gretzky and I remember when he was coach of the Canadians, Carboneau, mm-hmm. uh, we did a sit down with him and I asked him about it. And he was great talking about it. Like it was one of those guys, really confident, but when he would sit, and on the ice, he was super cocky, which is kind of what made Kelly crazy. But when sitting and talking to him, calm but confident, which I always like. Here's one thing I want to get your thoughts on. And I know full well, we're not going to get this with this composition of people on the hockey hall of fame selection committee we we are just not but 
You know, you talk a lot about the next generation of hockey players coming into the league who have who don't have any assumption about privacy. Right. That everything is out there. This is the world that they grow up in and they expect everything to be out in the open. Yeah. Not like our generation or the generation previous, Elliot. You know what I think would be a fantastic television property? It doesn't have to be a YouTube show, like whatever. I'm dating myself. It has to be a TV show. What would make it a wonderful property? What's that? Hall of Fame conversations around the table with people that are there now. Camry Granado, Yari Curry, Igor Larianov, uh, Scott Morrison, Bob McKenzie, David Poyle, now Joe Sackick, David Branch, Mike Gartner, Cassie Campbell, Pascal, just Ron Francis, like around the table with all these people as they discuss potential Hockey Hall of Fame members. That to me, I know no one they would want to do because they want to, don't want to offend anybody. I get it. How dare you say this about whatever player? But that to me would be fascinating because you've talked to these people privately. I've talked to these people privately. A lot of people have talked to these people privately about uh, about Hockey Hall of Famers, and everyone in the NHL has opinions. When the cameras are off and the microphones are off, you have candid conversations about them. To have them around the table, having those conversations. Oh yeah, I'm with you. Elliot, that is just hockey heaven right there. See, I'm convinced there will be a time when Sportsnet will come to us and they're going to say, we want a camera on you guys while you watch the periods. Well, you and me? I'm talking about when we're on like the panels, uh, like watching the games and picking our highlights and stuff like that, or our conversations. Oh, I see what you mean. But I could see them even going to a point where, well, for example, after the first intermission of the Saturday game, you and me meet with Ron McLean and Brian Spear to go over the topics for 32 Thoughts on TV that night. Yeah. I could see them getting a point and say, we want to film that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. And I used to say never. I'm fine with that. But I realize, I realize I'm going to get to a point where it's going to happen. I'm going to have to deal with it. And the reason I, I, the reason I don't like it is because I never want to lose the ability to say what we say to each other. I think there's so much full outrage out there now, Jeff, Yeah. that like, for example, some of the stuff that a few of us say to each other, <laughs> it would like be the end like, of our careers. Like when Kevin pokes his head in, in the middle of the meeting. Yes. <laughs> and, and, he gets, and what he gets. And I, and I just want to say to everybody, it's nothing that really should get you fired. Like it's nothing that you would look at and say that you should be fired for that. But, you know, we <laughs> we give it to each other really good. And I think there's so many things now, like there's some legitimate things in the world that people should be outraged about, but there's so much false outrage out there too. I really do believe there will be the game on TV and there'll also be maybe packaged YouTube videos of last night during the first uh, period, this is what it was like watching the game with our crew. Here's Elliot burying everyone's idea on the panel around the table. Why this idea stinks and that idea is awful. I have to say, I generally don't do that very much. <laughs> you do it to me. You mean you don't do it to Kevin and Jennifer and Kelly? What? Hey, man, I, w- I was the one who told you last week, go hard on the uh, All-Star Game stuff because I knew people would love it. You did. Oh, speaking of All-Star, by the way, um, something we mentioned about a month ago, which is you know now starting to pick up more steam. We talked about it on... Uh, as you mentioned, the Hockey Night in Canada uh, segment. All-Star Game in Toronto next year. Yeah, so Kipper mentioned it on uh, his show 
I believe, the other day. And it just dovetails with what you and I had said uh, when it got uh, postponed or, or, or when the World Cup next year got canceled and or postponed or whatever you want to call it. I do think it's going to be Toronto. Not confirmed yet, but uh, I, I do think he's right, as we had said, that uh, the All-Star game is going to be in Toronto. A couple of things here before we wrap up. We had a really good time with Ryan McDonough the other day. First of all, great setting. Uh, Taroni, which is a fantastic restaurant in downtown Toronto uh, on Adelaide. Just wonderful staff, wonderful venue. So we released the podcast on Wednesday. Also, this was shot for video release on the Sportsnet YouTube channel. That comes out on Friday. And I want to mention Mark Utley, uh, who made this thing look fantastic. Direction uh, from Jeremy McElhaney as well. Yeah, beautiful. The, the whole thing looks fantastic. If you had a chance to listen to it, thank you. Uh, if you want to see the entire thing, it'll be available at our YouTube channel on Friday. So check that one out. If you had a, like, we got some really good feedback on the McDonough piece. Yeah. Now that it's been a couple of days, like I've thought a lot about what McDonough talked about when it came to the art of blocking shots and how it's not just jumping in front of the puck and screening the goalie and essentially turning yourself into a second goaltender on the ice. Uh, the Dustin Brown stuff, uh, I think was really profound too. Like that stuck with me. Yeah. He's a guy that as we mentioned during the podcast and the interview, he doesn't do this very often. Like you talk about, we just talked about Joe Sackick and how, you know, he was relatively quiet, but when he spoke, you know, it had a lot of gravity to it. Walking, coming away from that Ryan McDonough interview, he gave us a lot to think about in that one. Have you had a couple of further thoughts on McDonough since we sat down with him? I wish I'd let you press him, uh, talk a bit more about his relationship with pain. Because he gave kind of a short answer, and then I kind of regretted what I did about, hey, well, I hear you kick the trainer's ass in Tampa in fantasy football, and he kind of kind of went off to a different tangent. And I think that was one case where I wish I'd let you talk about it uh, a bit more with him because just big dog in the interview, just yeah, big I did, dog I, in it. I totally did. It was pathetic. <laughs> that I mean, that's the one thing I really thought about. I mean, the one thing I will be looking for because hey, you, we know who's playing in the first round of the playoffs. It's Toronto against Tampa, most likely. Yeah. I'm going to be watching. Does is is Kucherov where McDonough said he was? Yeah, and you know, does does that play happen again? Because the Lightning know where Kucherov is. I think the other thing I wanted to do, I wanted to laugh. I wanted to shout out a couple. So when I posted the link on my Twitter at Corsi HL mm-hmm. talking about uh, Taroni. Fungi Asaluti to start and Tagliatelle a la Bolognese main. All other choices are wrong. And then <laughs> Spicy B said the duck confit ravioli. Uh, so I really did say I appreciated uh, people uh, writing to say to give their food recommendations. Taroni is a great restaurant. I, I, I do love it there. It's so good. I don't think you ordered enough pastry, Amal, in the morning, by the way. I think, you know, <laughs> you, you really had people there hungry. Amal blew the budget for the oh whole shoot God. on pastries. Yeah. When, when, when two people can't go to the Stanley Cup final this year, it's because of Amal's pastry budget. <laughs> Thank you, Amal. It was really good. By the way, I also wanted to mention Christine Simpson had a really good interview with Matt Duchesne, where he said he wants to play till he's 40. So he's never said that publicly before. Uh, listen, man, you know how I feel about things like that. Uh, if you still have the passion to play, make them drag you off the ice. Yes. Uh, I don't want I don't want to hear the, uh, oh, leave the stage while they're still clapping. Oh, you know, you're ruining the legacy. No way, man. You want to play? You keep doing it. I applaud those guys. And I've told you about this before. That's one of the many reasons why I love Peter Forsberg. He's just going to keep trying to find a boot. 
If I can find a boot to play, I'm going to play. And how many times did Peter Forsberg try to find different boots so he can get there on the ice? Matthew Shane, you want to play till 40? I got no problem with Go that. Go play till 40. Amen. So, Jeff, before we wrap up, I also wanted to mention, uh, I didn't know much about her, but I've watched a little bit of her this week, is Nila Lopusanova, oh, a 14-year-old yeah. from <laughs> Slovakia who scored a Michigan goal and yeah. has been lighting up the under-18 women's worlds. And, you know, the thing about this that I think is is really critical is that she's not Canadian or American. Hmm. This is the breakthrough player that I think the non-North American hockey world needed. Like, I don't want to put any pressure, any more pressure on her. I think just by doing what she does, she'll accomplish. Other than she's what the hockey world needs right now. <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> Enjoy hockey, young 14-year-old superstar. But, you know, it, it's sort of like <laughs> she doesn't need to do anything different than what she's doing, right? Yeah. She's already on this path, and she clearly loves it, and she's incredibly skilled. You can see it. Hands. And just by – it's like the old line is that – um representation matters. Mm -hmm. So here we've got representation of a 14-year-old young woman from Slovakia, and she's really talented. And I think this is very important for women's hockey. Like they've had, you know, they had Kim Martin. They've had some players here and there. Sure. But this one, especially in the the viral short clip age, I'm excited to see it because I think it opens up possibilities. And so not only do I look at her as a talented player, yeah. but I look at her about a good sign about where the game is going. And If I was hockey in general, I'd be excited about this. But if I was women's hockey, I'd be really excited about this. One, there's a couple of things in the video that I really like. One, uh, the water bottle flipping off the net is a really, really nice Whoa, touch. Love that. That looks, that looks fantastic. The other thing, and as I watch it, I always find myself drawn to the defenders. I mean, the goaltender is surprised, clearly, but the right side defender is just stunned. So you look at things that are going to, you know, change the game. Like, I don't think she's going to be able to come out from around the net like that anymore. Like every time you see, you know, Andrei Svechnikov coming around the net now, what do you think, Elliot? He just might try it, right? Like there are, there's, there are certain people that you defend certain ways because you know they have that in their skill set. Now that this is gone you know, all over the world and been on every highlight package and everybody has seen it. How does she get defended when she goes around the net? Because I'm sure that that defenseman is going to defend differently now. And here's the other thing. And this, again, like you always look at, you know, the, the evolution of games. Now that's in the women's game. And so now you have to defend against it. Like I just love that. I know that I've been, you know, I sort of like, oh yeah, everyone can do the high rap whoop-de-doo. Now it's in the women's game as well. So now this is another thing that you have to defend. All of that makes the game better, Elliot. Agreed. All of that makes the game better. And wow, what a highlight she gave us. Nella, well done. That was a lot of fun and really cool. I always love situations where, where hockey players look stunned at something that another player did. And that happened because everybody on Sweden around the net was stunned pretty much great stuff pretty much no one's no one's seen that one before hey uh with that bit of good news here's some more good news elliot as amel told us before the show we have five more pairs of tickets for the live recording of 32 thoughts the podcast next thursday in owen sound as part of hockey day in canada elliot five more pairs of tickets from the benevolent one joel darling 
You know what that means? There are originally six more pairs of tickets, but we had to pay the darling tax. The darling tax. First of all, I want to say thank you very much to everyone that these that the tickets for all these events in Owen Sound are selling so well. It's awesome to hear that the community is excited for it because we're excited to come along with everybody else from Rogers who's coming. So the guests include Lanny McDonald, Joey Hishon, Blair Turnbull, Les Binkley, sweet, Mike Fuda, and Bobby Ryan. We'll all be guests at 32 Thoughts, the podcast, live recording, Hartwood Hall, next Thursday, Owen Sound. To get your hands on these tickets, again, five pairs, uh, the phone number, 1-833-311-3232, or the email, 32thoughts at sportsnet.ca. The trivia question remains the same. Which NHL team has drafted the most members from the Owen Sound attack of the OHL? And we should mention that does not count the Platers. We're talking specifically attack. You know, you make us sound old when we even just reference the Platers. Because <laughs> you know someone's going to do it. Someone's going to do it. You know that someone's going to do We're it. We're going to get one of those, well, actually, guys, yes, yes. emails. I, I remember I almost went to law school. That's the lawyer in me talking. Yeah. Before I wrap up as well, we want to send all of our strength and thoughts uh, to Jim Boomer Gordon of NHL Network Radio. Oh, yes. He's a fighter. Uh, He's going to keep on fighting and you got a whole hockey world behind you, buddy. We are all here at this podcast very much in your corner, pal. You got this. Boomer always had some different ideas, but he was never unentertaining. Taking us out today, a musician from Lethbridge, Alberta, who our producer Amal discovered during the pandemic. Skinny Dick is the alter ego to Coaldale-raised artist Ryan Dick. Ryan's debut record dropped in 2020. It's a real fun listen. Here's Skinny Dick with Dreamin' off his Get to Know Lonesome record on 32 Thoughts, the podcast. Enjoy. I'm dreaming. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously, it doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences, People are always on the move. 
Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.